Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Invest right now in Paris. Now, we do see people now starting to come back to Paris as well because there is only one Paris. And I do think Paris is the most beautiful capital in the world. Best ever listeners, wouldn't it be nice to have a $2 million pre-approval line of credit? Uh, Just think about that. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be nice? How would that help you get more deals done? Because when you submit a pre-approval line of credit with your offer on a fix and flip house, do you think it's going to stand out more? I think so. And our friends at Fund That Flip, you know Fund That Flip, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show before many times. He's a friend of mine. He's also the owner of Fund That Flip and they're a sponsor of today's episode. What they're doing is they're giving a $2 million pre-approval line of credit up to $2 million pre-approval line of credit for qualified buyers. And my gosh, in this competitive buying market, Sellers prefer to sell to buyers who have a high likelihood of closing, right? Makes sense. Well, use this pre-approval line of credit from Fund That Flip, and that will signal to the seller that you're the real deal and you'll be able to close quickly. It's free. All you got to do is go to fundthatflip.com. You've got to qualify that you have prior experience and there's a process but it's free and you need to go to fundthatflip.com to get the pre-approval line of credit because this is a way that's going to help your short-term rehab loan happen because you're going to get the deal for the property where you need the short-term rehab loan. Go to fundthatflip.com and get that pre-approval line of credit for up to $2 million. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluffy stuff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And today, well, guess what? We're going to have an international flavor because with us, we have Marie Delcal and she's joining us from Paris, France. How you doing, Marie? How you doing, Joe? And how you doing all the Welsh best listeners? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I love how you throw the world best ever listeners on there. Because it's true, we have listeners all over the globe. And a little bit about Marie, and then she'll get into it more detail. She's a prestige real estate consultant and international referral agent at Coldwell Banker in France. She specializes in deluxe properties from 1 million euros and above. I mean, her team is just doing phenomenally well. She's fluent in French, English, Danish, Swedish, and Norwegian. I told her earlier, 
I'm going to have to do the interview in English, but perhaps some other day in some other life when I learn those languages, we can do them in another language. She offers a free service to her clients called Real Estate Matchmaking and really looking forward to diving into how she's growing her business. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? I would be delighted to do so. Well, um, I've been in sales all my life. My mother has shops. And uh, so I grew up behind the counter and I love service and I love people. At the same time, I always had the dream of becoming a real estate agent, but I also had the dream of conquering the world, so to speak. And as the Danish real estate agent degree is very focused on the Danish market, I didn't dare to do, it's a two to four year degree in Denmark. Uh, but I, what I did was at university for five years, I studied branding, marketing and corporate finance because I knew I could use that all over the world whether I could be a real estate agent or not. And when I came to France, I had no idea I could become an agent here because I thought it would be more or less impossible as a foreigner. I had a Swedish friend who happened to be a coal banker at the headquarters as well that told me why not go for an interview with the two top bosses and I was almost fainting <laughs> having to do that. So a roughly put, very short background, I also grew up in Jamaica. I've lived most of my time in Denmark, but I always had a very international mindset and I deal mainly with international clients. I do deal with some French people too, but 80% of my clients are, are international and whereas in France it's normally the other way around that 20% of the buyers are international and 80% French, but clearly taken that I speak English better than French, <laughs> it's given. As you said, you have a very international mindset and you work with a lot of international investors what's the number one way that you get new clients well i've been very very lucky i'll be honest with you joe you know what two and a half years ago i had 130 linkedin contacts and i had not used linkedin for five years and every single linkedin contact i had was from denmark and 90 percent at least and they were mainly my friends or people i knew very very well so when i came to france i thought well (laughs) You know, forget about getting the French people wanting to do deals with you, at least for now. How can you reinvent or invent yourself in a country that's not your own? You don't speak a language fluently. But I thought, I do speak the language of experts. I do know what foreign people like. I do live a lifestyle that caters for foreign people. And I thought, okay, you know, instead of thinking you can beat the French in their own game, then invent your own game. So now I have today more than 8,000 contacts on LinkedIn. And naturally, there's some you have better contact with than others, including your assistant contacting me via LinkedIn, which I have listened to your program, Joe, several times. And I never thought that I could be in that program. It's, it's a great honor. And long live LinkedIn. Honestly, I have even gotten personal friends via LinkedIn now. Got some incredible experiences here in France because of it. Being invited to polo matches, one of my friends has a beautiful wine shop. He also happens to be a sommelier at a Michelin star, a restaurant to Michelin star. Invited me for private lunch at his place, meeting people in the most beautiful deluxe hotels all over Paris for tea or coffee or lunch or whatever it is. So incredible experiences. And did you do anything differently on LinkedIn that you weren't doing before? Well, first of all, I believe in being myself no matter what price. I will stay true to myself. Uh, I know I would call it fakeness, but I think there's a lot of peacocks in this industry. 
So I think it's very important just to do what you have in your heart and, and just be yourself and not try to be anybody else. Um, if that's an answer. When you work with clients, I mean, they're they're spending one million and above. And I I know yeah. before we start recording, you said you can't get into specifics of particular deals because of the client confidentiality, but. Uh, generally, when you're working with clients who are spending a million euros and above, what type of questions need to be answered that they typically ask? It's actually funny. I, you know, I think first of all, they are normally extremely clever decision makers. Uh, they know their numbers, or at least they know that you know the numbers that they need to know. Because you can't overgeneralize. But once I have, you know, they are not necessarily what some people think are snob snobs. Some of them are so down to earth. I have a person who is, uh, just say, extremely wealthy, one of the wealthiest young people in England. And he came looking like a hipster, you know, and he insisted on us walking around Paris instead of getting a taxi or a private limousine or whatever. I have many, you know, down to earth clients, and, and it's very, refreshing it's very nice you don't have to play up to them or play games or anything they trust that you know what you're talking about and and vice versa how do you build that trust that they know that you know what you're talking about well because you have to know your numbers you have to to know certain things and and you know sometimes i have a person who search for a certain property a really, really specific type of property in paris for the two years i've been the real estate agent here and um you know, I've contacted him three times during the two years with potential properties. He knows that I'm not spanking him. He knows that I'm not constantly on his back. And, and that time is very, very important. So you do not want to waste that time because that time is so precious. You simply cannot do it. And, and I know that the American way is to push, push, push all the time. I believe that if I know I do not have the properties, why should I waste his time? I know exactly what he wants. And... I finally sold it for Unfounded, and they said, oh, by the way, I need an underground garage for eight cars and some bikes and whatever on top of that. And, okay, on the boat again. <laughs> so, so you know, but I, I, I do know that they respect me for not being on a constant call with them unless I have something I believe in them. Is there anything that you do to stay in touch with your current clients after you close on a property? Any type of ongoing communication Oh, yeah. I mean, you always, because some of them do develop into what, if you want to call it friendships or not, but I, I do like to have a, a personal relationship with my clients. For me, they're more than just a number. I do take them very seriously. And, and for me, it's it's an honor to find people properties, and it's more than just somebody you randomly meet out in town. What do you do to stay in touch with them and, and build that personal relationship with these high net worth clients? I'm an old-fashioned person. I actually do appreciate writing a nice Christmas letter by hand. Uh, I don't like to have it pre-printed. I like to write some personal things to people, just nice little notes. Give them some nice presents or invite them for lunch next time they're in town or things like that, you know. Keep the personal aspect. I think it's very important. And, and you know, when people are, can we say, extremely wealthy, I think they appreciate if, if they can see that you're not just, if I can use a, a horrible word, sucking up to them, you know. But that you appreciate their company and you like whatever small things there might be and, and not only brag and, and all that. I, I think it's very important. And then I do think it's very important that you always, 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 always maintain their loyalty by not mentioning names out in town. Uh, that is so important. So, so important not to 
I think, to speak about who you're dealing with. And is that understood with them, or is that explicitly stated to you by them that they don't want their names mentioned? You know what? I've never had anything, anybody asking me that on town, but I think they know that I don't do that. Then they can also see what I post on LinkedIn that, uh, you know, I may have a, a photo of a beautiful property or something, but I do not mention about my clients on town. I do not mention their names. I don't mention who they are. And, and generally, I don't care because I really feel that people have the right to have a privacy, especially famous people. Everybody has the right. In general, France, people, I'm not saying paparazzi doesn't exist here, but in general, people feel here that you do have a right to have a privacy. And I do think it's, it's very, very important, especially for certain clientele. I'm going to throw a scenario out there, and I'd like to hear how you would react to it. I'm a super wealthy, high net worth individual. I'm coming in town, and you and I have nothing in common. Like, you can't figure out, like, you, you, you can't get any traction on any rapport with me. Do you have certain uh, approaches that you take or certain conversation topics that you like to bring up to kind of have those conversations and try and build rapport? First of all, by law, we have to investigate the clients that we're dealing with. Uh, you are not allowed to show properties without knowing who you're dealing with, at least until uh, recently. There's a new law here called TrackFin, which also exists. It's, it's anti-terror law. So you have to know your client before you even meet them. So that also means I do check up on them and I will know what sort of hobbies they have, if they do falconry or they do polo or, or they, you know, just like a baseball game or something. And I may not know a lot, but I do know Babe Ruth or something. <laughs> I'm not a big sports person myself. I know some sort of sports, but yeah, there's always something you can find about people that, that you do have a common interest with or some sort of, I love literature and history and I love knowing about certain countries. So, um, for instance, with Arab clients, uh, I only know five or six Arab words, but I like to use them whenever I can. My favorite Arab was waha, which means oasis. And I think it's such a beautiful word, waha. And sometimes, you know, you can surprise a client a little bit by, I think, showing respect for people's culture and where they come from. And yes, I do have Muslim clients and I'm not Muslim myself, but I have been greeted with nothing but respect and courtesy and kindness and extreme friendliness from the Muslims I'm dealing with. And I, I think we who can, and now it might be a little political, should build bridges wherever we can to make this a safer and better place. And sometimes if, I remember I was going out to meet a Saudi raving client at one point, and I had some friends that were joking me about what I had to wear and what I had to say. And when I met him, I took the hand from my heart and, and I greeted him in the Arab way. And he shook my hand and he said, bonjour. And I really respected that. Now you can say if he was a fundamentalist, he would never have a woman to show him anything. So, um, but um, I, I really love cultures and everybody has a story. Well, that's my point, from whatever culture they come from, from whatever background they come from. So I have never occurred in my entire life that I couldn't connect with anybody. I can't remember. It might have been, but I can't remember a scenario like that. Marie, what's your best advice ever for real estate investors? <laughs> well, right now, uh, the dollar is actually much stronger than it's been for a very, very long time. And the, you, you know that the interest rate is extremely low, historically low. Uh, and actually, <laughs> in fact, not long ago, my husband actually got money back for owning a property in, in France. It was the first time that happened. But <laughs> yeah. 
particular surprise that we got paid to live in, in a, I think, fairly beautiful house. Um, so, so invest, invest, invest. Right now you've seen, all, you know, it's difficult to explain online, but I'll try to do it as simple as I can without anybody being able to see any statistic, anything in front of me. But for many, many years, and I'm talking more than 50 years, um, Paris, Contra, London in England, we're actually following each other more or less the same way with f between 5 and 10% distance in pricing. Paris always going below London. But all of a sudden, actually when Hollande became president, and I'll tell you why, <laughs> I'm not keen on Hollande, um, it actually went from a gap from 5 to 10% steadily to 30% gap. Wow. Because Hollande wanted to punish at that point anybody who made more than a million dollars. Now, what, what is very interesting with the ultra-ultra-rich is that they in general have six properties. Those people can take their money overnight and invest somewhere else if they want to. They don't like to have losses, but if they have to take a loss, they'll take a loss. They can afford to take a loss if, if they have to do so. So they want to send the signal to loan that mm -mm, we're not believing this. They're buying up in London. Now, we do see people now starting to come back to Paris as well because there is only one Paris. And I do think Paris is the most beautiful capital in the world. I like London. London is great. Swinging London. Not putting it down, but nothing as beautiful as Paris, in my opinion. And Paris is the capital for romance, is the capital for food, is the capital for clothing, is the capital for, for art. Um, so you do see a lot of people starting to come back now. Now, what is interesting is that 2017 will be election year in April. And I have a very strong feeling Hollande's not going to be a president. I have a very strong feeling that prices are going to go, if not up to London market, London level, but prices are going to go up for sure. That's my clear opinion. So what should investors do right now? That's my personal opinion, not something called a bank and dictates me. Right. That's yeah. my personal opinion, and I stand by that opinion. So, so based, based on that opinion, what should investors do right now? Invest right now in Paris. Okay. Invest, invest, invest. Your listeners may know or may not know, but Paris is divided into 20 arrondissements. Arrondissements, it's, it's like boroughs in New York, if you want to compare it to that. So it's, it's different parts of the city with different flavor for whatever taste. And there are some that are, are more popular with foreign investors and I, in general, consider more safe. But not long ago, Cole Banker did, I think, two, two years ago, they did a luxury report, which I thought was very, very interesting. They had a part of that luxury report saying, yes, uh, people still choose location, location, location. That's, you know, the three L's that we hear repeatedly. Um, I believe a certain presidential candidate in the States also mentioned that once quite a lot, the one with the funny hair. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I think everybody knows who that is, especially in our industry. Anyway, but what Cobalt Banker figured out was especially with the young dot-com tech people, is that a new trend had started. You know what? They didn't get, give a damn about location. They give a damn for what they wanted. And so if they wanted to go surfing, they will buy where they think the surfing is because, you know what, they have helicopters, they have whatever they, they means to get transport from one part to the other. I thought that was very interesting. Of course, it's not the majority, but I had a similar client that also, you know, he, he wanted a place where nobody else could see him. He wanted absolute 100% privacy. I showed him a beautiful apartment and you could see all the way to, to the church of Sacré-Cœur. It was a wonderful vista. He didn't even look out the window, nor did his wonderful wife, because they said they wanted privacy. 
So they wanted a loft style and said, well, loft is not typical for Paris. It's more London, New York. They do exist, but they don't normally exist. The sort of loft you wanted doesn't normally exist in, in what is known as the more posh areas. At least it's very, very tricky. And, and I don't mind tricky, but I just wanted to get real with him. And he said, that's fine. That's fine. I don't care. I actually like up and coming areas, he said. I don't want a posh area. My wife doesn't care about shopping Saint-Cilcy. She doesn't care shopping even better Saint-Cilcy. Avenue Montaigne Rue Faubourg, that's where you should be shopping if you're a really uh, wealthy lady. But he said she's, she's not into that. So, so they were what you would probably describe as hipsters or, or something similar. And they didn't want to be seen. They didn't want to be known. They just wanted to blend in. I thought it was fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, fa- fascinating how different buyers uh, from different backgrounds approach it. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Of course. <laughs> All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book. Well, I have read many good books. Um, I love Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I used to read that in Spanish. I haven't done that for a long time. I have read, I think, more or less all he's done, except from... All of his, uh, he was also a journalist, so I haven't read all of his articles, but I think more or less all his books I've been through. What's his name? Gabriel Garcia Marquez, wonderful author. Uh, Hans Christian Anderson, I love. Karen Blixen, I love. Uh, those are two Danes, <laughs> like myself. So they mean a lot to my heart. But there are many, many beautiful uh, authors. I, I, I'm really a big book person. I always have five books going on at the same time. I do like motivational books. So I'm, I'm just reading as a man thinks it right now. Best ever personal growth experience. What'd you learn from it? Best ever personal growth experience. Charity. I'm a big charity person. I think you you always get more than you give. Best ever deal you've done. <laughs> I must be marrying my husband. <laughs> <laughs> he thanks you for that answer. Best ever way you like to give back, speaking of those charities. Well, I think you have to give back with a full and honest heart. I don't give back to, to be a show off. I do a lot for refugees. I work with orphanages. I am a vegetarian, almost vegan myself. So, of course, I do a lot of animals. I get, again, just give, give, give with a good heart. I think set aside a certain part of your bonus. You know, sometimes if I have a rotten day, which, you know, can happen, I have a photo of two orphans, you know, and I look at this photo and I look them into their eyes. They're smiling orphans from Haiti. It's And my friend's father has an orphanage, the Fort Haitian orphanage. And anyone wants to support it, I can guarantee it's good. It's but He's an American doctor. Everything is volunteered. And they only pay the Haitian stuff. And what he's done at the Fort Haitian often is incredible. And when I have a bad day, I look at those two smiling kids and I'm just like, Marie, how dare you say to yourself, you've had a bad day. <laughs> so true. Perspective. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business? <sighs> I know it. I don't like to say it, but I know it. Um, one point I stuck on too long time to what I thought I believed in that I should have let go on and that was very, very hard. Um, that was the biggest mistake I've made in business. What specifically are you referring to? Well, I had a shop that was going bad because of the financial crisis. I was moving at the same time and it was a shop that I had dreamed of my entire life. Again, I come from a shopping background and I have 
you know, the most beautiful shop, most beautiful location. And and that was hard. Uh, you know, I, I had actually tripled sales within three months. And the financial crisis came and I lost 90% of revenues overnight because it was an off-market shop. That was not fun. That was really, really not fun. Um, something I'm not proud of, of saying. I really have a hard time saying it, but I told you I'll be honest with you. So I am. But it's led me to where I am today, and it's led me to, I want to say about humbleness. I am a humble person, um, but it can fundamentally change you. And, and I think you can always, if you want to, you can always turn the worst situations into some of the best things that happened to you. Because if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be here today. So, uh, and learn, 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 learn from, from whatever happens in life and, and be grateful in the end for what it is. Find the light and, and work for it and go for it. I believe in that. I'm a very positive person. I embrace that philosophy as well. What's the best ever place the best ever listeners can reach you? On <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> of course, of course. Going back to our, our the beginning, all comes full circle. I like connecting people on LinkedIn. So I have several people that ask me for advice or I have some people that look through, uh, those friends, the butler that, that lacked a job and he looked through some of my contacts and he asked me if I could connect him to somebody that had a butler academy and, and I did. And I know that person has a job today and, and I was actually very happy to do that. I, I did nothing. I did nothing but connect two people and it then makes you happy. I am officially connecting with you and I just clicked the connect button on my phone for us to be connected on LinkedIn. And thank you, Marie, for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners. And really, this was a story of being authentic, being true to who you are. That's what it boils down to, these personal relationships that you have with these super high net worth individuals and families. And you mentioned they appreciate the authenticity that you bring, showing respect for people's cultures, but authentically having that respect for the cultures and appreciating their company, not sucking up to them, as you mentioned, but rather just being authentic and being genuine and, and having personal relationships. Tell them the truth. You know what might be wrong. That's why they call in an expert. They call an expert also to be told the truth. You can say the truth in, in several ways, but, you know, don't disguise it. I mean, you could say it with respect and unrespect, but the very, very smart people in the world, they work with experts and they work with people knowing their stuff and they listen to them. They listen much, much more than most people perhaps would do. But that you do have the trust for it. Need the trust for first. Well, there you go. And thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and talk to you soon. And you too and all the best listeners in the world. <laughs> best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever.